Hey, my friends, we will be right back to the show, but I have a question for you. Are you struggling with the impact of childhood trauma? Well, know that you're not alone. I'm here to let you know that I'm starting a brand new weekly coaching group that includes a year of life coaching, accountability, support, habit and goal setting, and more. I'm starting a waitlist for the group right now, and I'm only taking a handful of people. And I'll let you know that through this personalized coaching, we'll work together to help you understand how your childhood trauma has shaped your beliefs, behaviors, emotions, and will help you create a roadmap for healing and growth. Right now, you can schedule an absolutely free coaching session with me and get put on the wait list if you go to thinkunbroken.com. My friends, it's your time to turn your trauma into triumph, breakdowns into breakthroughs, and become the hero of your own story. And I'm here to support you in doing that. Just go to thinkunbroken.com to register for a free coaching call with me and to get put on the wait list for the brand new weekly coaching program. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hey, my friends, we will be right back to the show. But I have a question for you. Are you struggling with the impact of childhood trauma? Well, know that you're not alone. I'm here to let you know that I'm starting a brand new weekly coaching group that includes a year of life coaching, accountability, support, habit and goal setting, and more. I'm starting a waitlist for the group right now, and I'm only taking a handful of people. And I'll let you know that through this personalized coaching, we'll work together to help you understand how your childhood trauma has shaped your beliefs, behaviors, emotions, and will help you create a roadmap for healing and growth. Right now, you can schedule an absolutely free coaching session with me and get put on the wait list if you go to thinkunbroken.com. My friends, it's your time to turn your trauma into triumph, breakdowns into breakthroughs, and become the hero of your own story. And I'm here to support you in doing that. Just go to thinkunbroken.com to register for a free coaching call with me and to get put on the wait list for the brand new weekly coaching program. Hey, what's up, Unbroken Nation? Hope you're well. I'm very excited to be back with you today with the episode with my friend Elizabeth Hartkey. And we are going to talk about a lot of things that I don't think I've ever gone into on the show, um, about the negative impacts of entrepreneurship, about what happens when you're not in alignment with partners and relationships, what happens when you're raising kids as a business owner, entrepreneur, how you change the cycle of communication from childhood into adulthood. This was an awesome conversation. I learned so, like, I literally learned so much today that I'm 
actually going to listen to this episode again and take notes because I, I think the most important thing I'm always trying to do in my life is set myself up for success. And by knowing that I don't know everything, when I have absolutely amazing people on, I love to go back and listen again. Same thing I've done with multiple guests who's been on Think Unbroken because I know that it matters. But before we get in that, I'm gonna read a review here. Um, this review is from Dressage Hippie titled uh, Truth Serum. I love this podcast because it tells some of the hard truths we don't want to acknowledge in our lives. Sometimes I get stuck in victim mode, and this podcast helps me snap out of it. It sheds the light on a pathway to a brighter future. That's very beautiful. Thank you for that, and thank you for listening, and thank you for, for being here. And to everyone who takes the 30 seconds out of your day to go and leave a review on iTunes, hit that five star, leave a comment. And again, whether it's good or bad or indifferent, like I, I want to read them. I want to know your thoughts on the show because I want to be able to not only make it better, but when it's not great, I want to figure out how to make it great. And when it sucks, I want to figure out how to make it suck less. Because look, like I'm learning in real time, same as you guys, but your reviews mean the world to me because it helps me understand what I can do to make the Unbroken Nation the strongest community in mental health and recovery from childhood trauma. And I recognize like not every episode is about that, but the reason that I do that is because I think it's really important that we look at life from a variety of aspects. And so very excited for today because this is the first time I've had a conversation like this, really diving into family and raising kids and kind of the mistakes we make and things like that. As many of you know, I don't have kids yet. Don't know if I will. We'll see. Life will figure itself out. Um, but this conversation with Elizabeth, I love. So without further ado, my friends, let's get into the show. Hey, what's up, Unbroken Nation? Welcome to the Think Unbroken podcast. I'm your host, Michael Unbroken, and this podcast is about helping trauma survivors let go of the past, overcome their fear, discover their identity, become the hero of their own story, and ultimately to be unbroken. Our goal in company is to bring on guests and experts in the fields of mental, physical, and psychological health to help you overcome the past, to take back your power. And in this podcast, we are unedited and unfiltered, and we're going to give it to you real so that you can start to create massive change in your life. If you're curious about learning more outside the podcast, you can get a free copy of my book, Think Unbroken, at book.thinkunbroken.com. That's book.thinkunbroken.com, where you can get a copy of my number one bestselling book, Think Unbroken, Understanding and Overcoming Childhood Trauma. The most important thing that you can ever do, my friends, is show up for yourself, and that's where you are today. And I appreciate you. I have massive gratitude for you. And without further ado, let's get into the show. Hey, what's up, Unbroken Nation? Hope that you're doing well wherever you are in the world today. I'm very excited to be back with you with another episode with my friend Elizabeth Hartke, who is an international business and leadership strategist and founder of the Luminary Leadership Company and podcast. Elizabeth, my friend, how are you today? What is going on in your world? I'm thriving today and I'm pumped to be here with you and I'm eager to just dive into the good stuff. I love it. I, I love the idea of thriving. You know, most people, they, they start to go, oh, I'm okay or blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, you got to have energy in your day because that's the only way you're actually going to create change in your life. You know, I'm really curious as we get in and we get started for those who do not know you, can you tell us a little bit about your backstory and how you got to where you are today? 
Yeah, I'd be happy to. So I like to lead with what our top priorities are in our home, which are being present with our three little kids. They require a lot of our attention and focus. I have a six-year-old, a four-year-old, and a two-year-old, and I have an amazing husband that I'm doing life and business alongside as we raise our babies. But we live out here in a farm on Wisconsin. We have no freaking clue what we're doing as far as farming, but we're, we're taking a stab at it. And I also... Uh, lead a company called the Luminary Leadership Company, as you mentioned, and we are really focused on raising up entrepreneurial leaders and helping them to step into who they need to be so that they can raise leaders of their own and making that generational change. But as far as where things began, I was raised up in entrepreneurship. So I know not all of your listeners are in that space, but I totally took it for granted as a kid, watching both of my parents running their own businesses, my grandparents, my aunts and uncles. So it was just kind of the nature and a way of life for us, having that flexibility in our world. Uh, my mom was always at every ball game and making dinner for us and putting us to bed. So <clears throat> I was really blessed in that regard. But I realized as time went on that my mom had this flexibility as an entrepreneur. So it, it lit this passion in me to want to uh, help entrepreneurs step from flexibility into freedom, which is a lot of what we do in our company, because I have memories being, you know, four years old, five years old, getting up to go use the bathroom at maybe midnight or 1am and seeing the dining room light on and my mom's papers strewn across her, you know, the table, catching up for that missed time that she put into us as kids throughout the day. So that just lit a fire in me as I, as I got older to want to help people elevate and grow so that they're not uh, building their life around their business, but they're creating a business that really supports their life. So that's that's my passion. That's what I'm on fire about. I just had someone out here at the farm helping them do that as they welcome their first child into the world. And it's just a gift. It's something that uh, I treasure in everything that I do. I love it. And and for myself, I mean, I've been an entrepreneur, I always say, since I was eight years old. Um, and it, it comes very naturally to me, but I know for many people it doesn't. And they see this lifestyle or this dream. And it's, I think often it's touted as like this, the next big thing, like be an entrepreneur. But I'll say this, like, I don't think people understand first and foremost, until you can get to the point of freedom, which I love. And I, I think I'd like to dive into that just in general in life. But there's, there are struggles, there is suffering, there is pain, there is failure. Like I was having a conversation with someone just last night and I said, look, the truth about entrepreneurship is we fail way more than we succeed, but people generally only see the successes. And so where I'd really like to start off this conversation with you today is like, how do you navigate failure in your life? How do you navigate the hard aspects of raising the three kids, running a business with a partner, trying to impact and change the world, give people that freedom? Because I know I'm going to guess that you fell on the occasion. <laughs> yeah, you know, just once in a while or once every hour. I feel like when you choose, uh, it doesn't have to be entrepreneurship. When you choose to pursue what is placed on your heart as a calling or what's next for you, I feel like you are putting a target on your back for welcoming in more sacrifice and challenge and struggle. But it's such a blessing because that's where you're crafted into who you're actually called to be. So if you were to ask me that question, you know, four or five years ago, I would, if I were being honest, I would tell you how I struggled with failure. I didn't like 
people knowing when I failed. I wanted to hide it from my team or my family or just the people in my life because it was such a vulnerable thing. And now it's not, I, I don't want to give this um, disillusion of, oh yeah, bring on failure. I, it's, there's, it's such a joyous process. But what I can say is I feel like I've developed the tools and the mindset that when it comes, I understand and I anticipate it. I know that it's a part of the process in parenthood, in marriage, in you know anything that you're pursuing that's not designed to be perfectly easy. But I also understand that I get to glean wisdom from it and it's a pretty awesome opportunity for me. I know a lot of people will say things like, uh, you know, it's not happening to you, it's happening for you. And I believe that to be true, but I also believe you have to have the right perspective to to really um, for that to be true. And when I encounter failures, for me, my, my big way that I've grown over the years is that I no longer am reactive to them. You know, you don't get, I don't get knee jerky when something happens. I slow down when a failure comes my way, that I can glean that wisdom so that I can see, okay, what's actually happening here? How from a leadership perspective, whether it's in something that's going on with my kids or a health thing that I'm facing or something in my business, how should I be the version of myself that's going to move through this in the best possible way? And how can I take this new scenario and play offense instead of just being super reactive, playing defense and not seeing the possibility in that failure or that struggle. I don't know if that makes sense, but that's what comes to mind. I feel like I slow down more when a failure happens so that I can move through it in the best possible way. In, in a practical way, like what does that look like? I mean, I, I imagine you don't have a five-step process or anything like that, but paint a picture because I, I think what happens in my experience is very similar to yours. There were periods of time in my life where I would make a mistake or I'd fuck up or I'd fail. And I would just be like, A, first and foremost, destroy myself, which is nonsensical. And and then B, probably more so is I would hide it. Like I would just sweep it under the rug and be like, oh, no, no, that didn't happen. It doesn't impact me. It doesn't affect me. So in, in kind of, I guess, if there is a practical way to, to divulge this, what does it look like to slow down and process and move through that moment? Yeah. So I'd be lying if I didn't tell you this part. I'm hot-headed by nature. I'm Italian, I'm Arabic, and that's what I witnessed in my, my life is like something happens and you just got to get that like pissed off energy out. So I allow that to happen. But what's different is I don't, I don't keep it and linger in it and dwell in it like I used to, it's like part of my process. And I also don't take it out on anybody. So I remember being in, you know, the earlier stages of business or even when we first started having kids and it was like something would happen. And for like the next three days, my husband had to suffer the consequences of me being in a mood because I just had to walk through this failure. Now it's, on my own time, all right, if I'm pissed off, I'm gonna yell about it, I'm gonna scream about it, I'm gonna get that energy physically out of my body so that it's not just lingering and kind of trapping me in this negative space. But then what I have to do is not go into fix mode immediately because that's where I used to go wrong is, like you said, I don't have a five-step process, but I'm just, you know, as you're asking me, I'm thinking through, okay, what do you do now that's different than how it used to be? So when we encounter something, I want to back up from the problem. And I want to focus on the the vision or the outcome that I want has to be bigger than the problem. So I used to focus on the problem. Now I focus on that, that vision of what's on the other side of it. And then I just think through, okay, what's going to get me there? And what is not going to get me there? What isn't serving me? So staying mad 
or staying stressed or trying to hide it from everybody or not calling in help when I need it, that doesn't serve me in the process to getting the other to the other side of this thing. And I just look at it really strategically. Even if it's not a business problem, I still look at problems in my home life as kind of strategic. All right, what do I need to get to this? What do I need to leave behind? What's not serving me in this? And then sometimes if it's if it's really complicated or it's something really stressful, I'm I'm a very visual thinker. So I have to put pen to paper almost like, okay, what is it I need to work through here? Um, but if it's something, you know, just with the kids, I don't sit, I don't say, oh, sorry, kids, I can't deal with you right now. I'm going to pull out my journal and start exercising the ways that I'm going to handle you in a few minutes as they're like laying there with a broken leg. Sometimes you have to move a little bit more quickly, but I'm saying more of the problems that aren't so urgent. It helps me to visually work through something on a piece of paper, even if it's for five minutes to just get the crap out of my head so that I can be in the right headspace to handle a challenge. And then after, I think reflecting back is the most important piece and the piece people miss. They're like, Oh, thank God I survived that challenge or I survived that shit storm. And, but they don't go back and say, what were the gifts in that? Or what did I learn from that? Or what could I have done better? Or how did I do so much better this time than the last time that happened? Oh, good. That means there's growth and celebrating those little wins. I think they they plow through it and they might do good plowing through it, but then they they never see what what good came from it. It's not that it necessarily was a good thing, but what good came from it and how how am I seeing that growth in myself? So that's a big piece that I didn't used to do that I do now that serves me immensely, especially in parenthood. Yeah. And I, I love that because there, there are lessons in the the reflection and when you get introspective, because it also gives you self, like I've, I've thought about this a lot over the years. And I think self-awareness really comes from when you fuck up. Like, I really believe that because you have to have this moment of this really naked looking at your life through the reflection of your own experiences and saying, I did this thing. Right. And, and I know that people will struggle with what I'm about to say, but I look at everything as my fault, everything top to bottom in and out all the time. And that has helped me tremendously in my life. And, and the reason that I do that is because it's given me the ability to take like this massive ownership over everything, both the good and the bad. But I have found that I grow the most when I sit there with my journal, I look at my life, I go, man, I really screwed that thing up. But also at the same time, when I go, wow, I really accomplished that goal. How did I do that thing that just took me seven years to do? And I go through the process of trying to, again, be introspective, look at it, be, and honestly, I'm biased about it. I'm like, what exactly did I do to lead me to this place? One of the things I think happens quite frequently, whether it's entrepreneurship or people who are running a side hustle while they have the day job and now fucking COVID and trying to be a parent and do all the things is like somewhere in there. There's like this aspect of, dare I say, collateral damage where you're like, okay, wait a second. I'm doing all these things, but over here, I have so much suffering in my life because I'm not taking care of things the right way. Maybe that's the way I want to phrase it. How do you incorporate your family, your partner, your community, your values? Like, how do you put all of that into your life mission so that you don't have outliers and people in your life who are like, yo, you're leaving me hanging. I feel hurt over here as an entrepreneur, a business owner, a mom, someone on a farm in Wisconsin. Like, how do you do that? To your point, I, I now do it based on all the ways I did it wrong for a while. So there was a period that I convinced myself that I was in business for my family. So let's just take that as the example of what was kind of 
allowing me to steamroll the people that mattered most in my life. I was like, oh, I'm creating this dream for the sake of my kids and my family, and we're going to have this freedom, and I'm doing it for you. As the process of doing it was neglecting to show up in the way that I wanted. Like, my kids don't give a shit if mommy's creating this business that's going to give them freedom, if it means they had to sacrifice the 15 best years of their life looking at a closed office door so that they could have freedom. They want more than anything, my presence, my my laughter with them, memories with me, just five minutes on the couch of cuddling. Like That's what my kids care about. They don't care about this big dream that I've manifested in my head that I went and sacrificed everything that mattered to achieve it, under the guise of having done it for them. So in the early stages, thankfully, I had people that love me that were holding me accountable to what I said I wanted and willing to call me out when I wasn't living in alignment with those values. But it was hard to do all in my head. Like I had in my head the things that mattered or the priorities or the values, but I didn't have them set in stone in a way that I could juxtapose any decision I was making, opportunity I was looking at, um, person that was coming into my life and say, hey, does this align with who I am and who I want to be and where we're going as a family, not just like where I'm going in pursuit of my dream, like I don't have a spouse or like I don't have kids that are directly being affected by my own choices and and dreams. So my husband and I sat with this and we're like, why do we keep saying these things matter, but living differently in the granular of the day to day? Because a lot of people live up here. I'm a big big picture thinker. I'm not a super detail person. I live in the 30,000 foot view of things, which means I don't pay attention all the time to what the hours of my day look like. But life is a culmination of those hours. It's not just some destination you get to in 10 years from hard work. So we actually sat down and unknowingly created a process for our own family to stay accountable to what matters and to not steamroll the things and people that we want to honor most. So it started by kind of coming up with our values, but that didn't feel deep enough for us. We needed um, what we now call a true north. We needed something that was kind of this guiding star. And then we actually put pen to paper and we started coming up with pages and pages. This is over the series, uh, a long period of time. We started coming up with, okay, what are our values and how do we define them as a family? How do we know when we're living by them? How do we know when we're uh, dishonoring them? You know, putting definition and meaning and examples to it. And then we said, okay, well, what are our priorities in this season of life? And how do we map that out and, and ensure that there's room for growth and evolution as our kids grow up or as we change or as maybe we want to work less as we get older or our health you know, needs more of our energy or whatever it might be. So we came up with this whole process of developing our true north. And now it, it ended up being, I work with a lot of um, six and high seven figure entrepreneurs who by all metrics that the world seems to value are crushing it. But if you were to ask them how they feel, they're they're suffocating. Like you talk about mental health and things like, like they are not happy. They're not fulfilled. They don't feel in alignment with their purpose despite having achieved so much. So we use, now we use this tool to support them and saying, all right, you got to come back to ground level. You're living life in the trenches. You got to make sure that you're the actions you're taking and the things that you're doing and the choices you're making, and the things you're saying yes or no to line up with who you, who you want to be. 
And, and that's going to be found in the day to day. It's not going to be in this, like, what am I doing this year? It's what am I choosing this minute? Um, so that's been kind of a grounding thing for us because now making choices, what podcasts I say yes to, what, where, where I put my energy, um, what commitments I make or neglect to make, they're all in alignment of this greater purpose for our family and where our family is going as a whole. And it aligns with me personally too, because we're all individuals as well. So that's been pivotal for me because I felt like I was spitballing and guessing. And, and when you're guessing and you don't have uh, really this guiding light or guiding star, you're going to make the wrong decisions more often. And it's going to lead to more of those failures that slow you down or cause pain or whatever. So that's, that's been a game changer for us. What was it like to come to the realization that your kids do not give a shit about your dream? <laughs> uh, it was humbling, but it was also like, man, when I think back to being raised by parents and who had um, these businesses and whatever, I don't know if it's a generational thing, but if people from like previous generations are just naturally less selfish, I'm sure that's not the case. But in my in my case, I felt like it was never about my parents' dream. It was about the family. It was about moving us forward as um, in a way that was in alignment with everybody that was involved in the process. Not, I feel like we live in a culture today that says like, me, what do I want? What's best for me at, the, at any cost? And yes, I think you have to take care of yourself. I think um, overflow leadership is more powerful than positional leadership, meaning not just saying I'm a leader and I'm, I'm a thought leader and I'm doing the things and I want people to follow, follow me even if it takes a toll on my health and it takes a toll on my family saying I'm going to pour into myself and evolve myself and grow as a leader so much so that the way that I guide my people and the way that I support people is a result of me literally overflowing with all that goodness that, it, that makes me, me. Um, but I also think the culture lends itself to a lot of focus on yourself. What do you want? Do what feels good in the moment. Sacri don't sacrifice, you know, go for what feels good now. And, and ultimately it hurts people and it hurts ourselves too. So when Mike, you know, make it coming to that realization of like, oh, my six-year-old doesn't care that mommy has this financial goal or has a goal to write this book or whatever. I don't know. It just, it brought me back down to reality. It like put boots on the ground. Yeah. Those things are aspirational. I think they're wonderful and I have every right to go for them but maybe I'll change the timeline of how I go for them. Or maybe I won't follow the industry standard standard and try to do it like this person who main goal is to get on a bestseller list. Maybe mine is going to look different in alignment with the people that matter most to me or the memories that I want to create or the moments uh, as to how I want to live. And it was a gift to me. Ultimately, I feel like it, it taught me a lot. And now I make choices based on, on that reality. Maybe they'll care more as they get a little bit older, but right now my kids are pretty dependent ages. Yeah. And, and, you know, it's really interesting because I like reflecting on my entrepreneurial journey, reflecting on building think unbroken, the multiple businesses I run, all the things that I do. The, the one thing that I've recognized probably most detrimental in this process was not being in alignment with the people who were most important to me, sacrificing relationships, sacrificing friendships, not being empathetic. My North star being like, I'm going to move towards this no matter what. And sometimes people are going to get destroyed in the process. And I think, unfortunately, that's something that we learn as you are on this journey. 
right? And I, I think it's because ultimately you realize, oh, wow, the way I'm acting here or the way I'm showing up here or like, like realistically, it's important that you spend time with the human beings in your life that matter because like the email you're trying to write, like it's, it's not going to change your life. But losing that relationship or that friendship or sacrificing your children's ball game or whatever that thing is, like I feel like that carries a, a tremendous amount of weight. What I'm curious about is so sitting down, looking at your life, having this conversation with your husband, trying to get an alignment, build values around who it is that you are. It's really a two part question. One, was there a catalyst that led to that as opposed to like a, oh, light bulb moment? And two, when you did that, because I, I want to try to make it practical for people, because I, I know that because we do live in such a me first culture, it feels almost like an imposition to try to sit down and have that kind of conversation with someone. So how do you do that? So to answer the first part of your question, that catalyst moment wasn't anything catastrophic, but to me, it felt that way. Um, my son, he's he'll be seven soon. So he was about two and a half. Now he was an early talker and he's kind of an old soul. And I remember standing in the kitchen and I had my phone and I always felt like I had good boundaries around my phone, but this was kind of that moment that made me realize that I wasn't paying attention to that granular and I was letting things slip and other people being hurt by that. And I was responding to, to an email that was um, going to be my biggest client, consulting client I'd ever landed. And that would have driven things forward for us, our family, financially in a huge way. Um, so in my mind, I, that justified stand, <clears throat> standing at the kitchen counter with my phone, answering that email as my two-year-old's looking at the back of my phone and Kenny didn't see my face and is trying to tell me something because I'm doing it for him, right? Like the big picture, I'm doing it for us. And he said, uh, he looked at me and he's saying my name over and over. And I'm like, yep. And I'm pretending like I'm talking, multitasking, talking to him as I'm typing, but you know, I'm typing, I'm just kind of like saying words cause he's two. And in my mind, like it doesn't matter. And he says, um, your phone, your phone is more than me. Like that's the sentence that he came up with. Your phone is more than me. I said, wait, what was that, buddy? And he's like, your phone is more than me. You love your phone. And I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> That's how he, he, I could say anything I wanted to try and convince him that this was for him. But all he's getting out of that moment and that scenario that is being imprinted on his little brain for the remainder of his days was what she's doing right now, the choice she's making is more important than me. It's outweighing me. And that was where I came to my husband. I was like, we need some kind of structure around phones. Like, I do not want my kid ever fighting for my attention to a freaking device. Even if what's happening on that device could change the, you know, be the catalyst for change in our whole future. It's still not worth him having that imprinted into his vulnerable sponge-like brain. So that was, that was the first thing. But to answer the second piece, having that conversation can be hard because 
we this is an example of one of those times where I was being reactive and not sitting with the mistake I made or the failure that I had in that moment with my child. And I was like, all right, phones go away and everything has to stop. And everything I was, I was coming at my husband from this like attacking place. Like, well, I see you do that on your phone and it's affecting our kids and we have to change everything. And it was just overwhelming and it wasn't strategic and there was nothing that felt good about it. It felt like we were kind of like punishing ourselves for being bad parents. Um, so in retrospect, what the advice I would give to someone is one, if you're coming to, whether it's, you know, your spouse or team member, whoever it is that you're doing life with your kids. We'll be right back, but I wanted to take a quick moment to tell you about the Think Unbroken six-week trauma healing coaching program. If you go to coaching.thinkunbroken.com, that's coaching.thinkunbroken.com, you can sign up for the six-week daily Think Unbroken Trauma Healing Coaching Program. In this program, we're going to go over the six principles of healing trauma, adaptation, understanding the impacts of trauma, how to become the hero of your own story, what to do next, and ultimately what it means to be unbroken. For more information about this six-week coaching program, which you can download as an app on your phone and take with you everywhere, no matter where you are in the world, it's interactive. It's built about giving you practical tools that you can use in real time. And if you're ready for what's next in your life, go to coaching.thinkunbroken.com. Again, that's coaching.thinkunbroken.com. Now let's get back to the show. Don't come at from it from at it. Uh, don't come at it from a really accusatory place. Don't come at it from a spastic reactionary place. Sit down and talk about what you want. Paint the picture of the vision of the life you want to live and then identify the things that are holding you back from it from that vision. And for us in that vision, we didn't see us ignoring our kids. We didn't see us um, choosing our phones without any healthy boundaries around them over living life together. In fact, we constantly talked about how we were building this life to be present, whatever, but we weren't living it. So we just dialoguing and opening up communication is so critical and, but not doing it from this reactionary accusatory place and, and just chipping away at, it became aspirational instead of a punishment. It was like, okay, what do we want? And what do we need to do and develop in order to get there? Not what have you done wrong? And how are all the ways you've done it wrong? Now get rid of all of that and live this really, you know, this life that's super structured and everything's restricted. No, that doesn't feel good either. And it's not sustainable. People try that and then they end up falling back on old habits. So it, it was a definitely a process. But if I had done it again now, I would have been less reactive and a little bit more communicative and more visionary because I'm such an aspirational person. You know, there are two kinds of marketing. It's like you can tell people how their lives are going to fall apart if they don't buy this product. And then you can paint a picture of the vision of how awesome it could be if they had that product. I, I gravitate way more towards the aspirational, but I was living my life trying to market this concept to my husband from the like, it's doomsday if we don't do this. My son's going to be in therapy by the time he's five years old for the rest of his life because we've screwed him up. So I had to shift gears a little bit. Yeah. And, and I think, again, that's that's a process of doing it and going through and having the conversations and, and recognizing, like, I think especially in partnerships, alignment is so important. And we, we get lost in that very easily. But then what happens is we'll have a conversation. This is where I want to go with this. We'll see how, if you'll go with me. Okay. We'll have a conversation. 
We'll be like, yes, this is the thing we want to do. We'll write down all the shit on a wall. We'll put on the fucking whiteboard. Like, this is it. And then it's tomorrow. And nothing changes. So in a practical sense, like when you when you have these goals, these dreams, these aspirations, these alignment, these values, the boundaries, you start building and putting together the life that you want to have. How do you actually show up into that life? Because it's one thing. I think it's so damn easy to write stuff down. But the follow through is where people often fail. So what does that process look like? How do you move through that? How do you actually, in a literal sense, build the life that you want to have? Mm, that's such a good question because you're so right, you know, and, and thinking back in those early days where we were writing those things down, there were many months of us not living by them or kind of having the whole like New Year's resolution effect where we did it really well for a month, but then by the second month, like it was forgotten and it's like, oh, well, I can just answer this email real quick or I can just do this real quick because it's just this one time and it turns into two and three. So I needed bumper lanes. I... I admire the people who have the willpower to just say something, do it, live by it, no matter how hard it is. But I realized that if I wasn't building in um, the support system to help me honor those things, I was going to ultimately fall short. So I, my husband and I came up with ways to gently hold each other accountable, not in accusatory ways, but ways where when we felt like we were slipping from who we said we wanted to be, and we made those choices ourselves. He wasn't like, you need to be this. And when you're not, I'm going to call you out or vice versa. It was me saying who I knew I was called to be and and who I wanted to be as a leader, as a wife, as a mother, a daughter, all those things. And he did the same. And we had to come up with ways that we were going to gently support each other. So one thing that we realized, this is that hot headedness. I'm like admitting this to all your listeners that I'm total (laughs) come at it real fast. When he would try to correct me in the moment, so let's say he saw me using my phone or, you know, around the kids when we said we weren't going to do it, or, um, you know, I made a commitment, I'm not going to do any business related calls after 4pm, but then he'd see something pop on the calendar that I was going to do at six. And it's like that interferes with dinner and bedtime. Instead of calling me out in the moment, because that felt always felt accusatory. It was after we'd have checkpoints in our week, usually Sunday nights after we'd get the kids to bed, where we would talk about, so how'd you think it went this week? And here's what I saw. And here's what I think, you know, here's a way that I felt like you said you wanted to do this, but I noticed this happen. And allowing the other person to kind of take ownership themselves instead of it being forced on them. And then bumper lanes outside of that were commitments to the how. So when we'd say things like, we want boundaries around our phone, well, can you define that better? Because if it's fluid and it doesn't have clear lines, it's really easy to just do that one more thing or to just have. So we made it super simple when we're done. We both work from home. Like when we're done working on the business at four, the the phones actually stay in the office so that it's not even in our field of vision and we can stay accountable to that. And I asked for for my birthday a house phone because I wanted my parents and my family to be able to reach me in an emergency. So I didn't like the idea of putting my cell phone away and not touching it and being like, well, if someone has to reach me, they can't. So we got a house phone and only gave that number to the people we wanted to have it. So we did things to really support it. But I think checkpoints are huge because the reality is, is that even when you build in bumper lanes, we're all human, life happens, we enter into different seasons, there are different needs. And if you set this 
goal or this vision, let's say in the start of a year, in the middle of a year, whatever, and you're just making the assumption that you're magically going to live this way by these values and never fall short and never fall off track, and you're not going to even touch it again for another year or two years or whatever, and then wonder how you've drifted so far away. So for us, every week we had a time where we were coming together and just talking about hey, let's look at our calendar. Does it really align with how we want to live? Like a big thing for us is we don't want hurry for ourselves and our kids in any aspect of our lives. But when your calendar reflects how you're jumping from one activity to the next, mm, well, we're not really living in alignment with that. What can go? What can come off? And how are we going to make sure next week doesn't look like the mistakes we made this week? So it's leaving room for those failures like we talked about, but then not just letting them go by and not seeing what you can learn from them so you can implement differently the next time. And I, I think there's something really practical about systematizing the conversation, right? And having that that weekly check-in, having that conversation, making sure you're in alignment on values. But I think one of the things that happens quite often, I know that from firsthand experience, especially in relationships, is it, it feels like it's a simultaneous like prost for like uh, who's going to be the leader in this relationship? Right. Who's going to be the one to take the charge? How do you do that? And, and I've come to find actually it really has to be symbiotic. Like you both have to be willing to to show up in, in the moments day to day. But in, in the beginning, like, is there kind of this sway back and forth? Is there a way to step into it? Like for people listening right now and for me, because I'm listening, who are like, OK, wait a second. I'm in this relationship or I'm in this partnership or I'm in this thing. We got the kids. We got the sports. We got the whole nine. We want the life. We want to do the check ins. I feel like I should do this, but they feel like they should do that. And because that happens, we never do it. Like, how do you step into leadership so that not only it reflects the life that you want to have, but you also impact your children and the people around you? Mm, yeah, that's something we struggled with a lot. Both my husband and I are alpha type personalities. We're, we're very different personalities, but we both like to lead. We've taken a bajillion personality tests. And although we differ in our passions and our strengths, leadership is always a front facer. So we used to butt heads. We'd go at it and he'd say something. And it was almost like that scene in Bridesmaids where the two bridesmaids keep taking the mic from each other because they want to say the last word. And that's kind of how our relationship felt. He would give input or a thought on something and I'd want to one up him and then I'd one up him and he'd be like, yeah, but I think this. So now uh, this is not an easy thing for me because I come from a family of really loud Italians. So everybody just talks over each other naturally. If, if, you haven't gotten through, you're just not talking loud enough and it's your fault. And that's just how the nature of it. And he comes from like a really soft-spoken family that's really respectful and actually waits till someone finishes their sentence. What a novel idea. So that was something that we had to bring into our marriage. I had to compromise on my want and desire to be more like my upbringing of, no, I'm going to interject when I want to interject. And we actually gave each other time to speak. And there wasn't, in that conversation, we intentionally said no rebuttals. So if he was bringing something to the table to want to lead us in the direction that we've agreed on, this is why that true north is so critical because if you guys aren't on the same page as to where you're going, you'll go back and forth all day. So once we had that foundation and we agreed, this is what we want for our family and for our lives. And this is what it looks like to honor that. If he was going to bring something to, to, to the table, he'd bring it to the table and I would absorb it and listen and there was not going to be a rebuttal, even if it meant biting my tongue, until I sat with it for at least 
10 minutes and then I could come back and say, okay, this is how I see it. And then we could come together in the solution. I think when there's that back and forth constantly and that one upping and I want to lead, no, I want to lead, it it can become a little toxic or just counterproductive. You just aren't getting anywhere because you're spinning your wheels. Um, So that was a big piece. It was like, learning to communicate. You'd never think that that would be something in your 30s that you have to figure out how to do. But I was like, man, we both bring our childhoods into how, you know, how we learn to communicate. And we also both want to lead. But now the other thing is really leveraging each other's strengths. There's this quiz that I wish I was affiliated with because I recommend it everywhere. It's called the working genius quiz. And even if you're you know, a stay-at-home parent, or you're not an entrepreneur, or you're not working in a traditional career, it's a really powerful tool, even in a marriage or a relationship or partnership or whatever, because it breaks down where your strengths are in a really simple way, not like a disc profile where you end up with 30 pages of content and you're going through it. It's just um, really outlines what that person's strength is and where they should be leveraging that strength. And we've, ever since taking that, it's been a couple of years now, we just flow way better. So for example, one of my key strengths is invention. I can create something out of nothing. That's like torture for my husband. Um, But one of his strengths is he's a closer. He wants to like bring whatever you say you're going to do home. That's my worst nightmare. I'm an inventor. So now instead of us both trying to invent and close on everything, I'll often we'll come together and be like, oh, we need to do this. And I'll be like, all right, let me go to the drawing board and then I'll bring it to you. And he helps me figure out how we breathe life into that and actually make sure that it happens. Cause I'll come up with a hundred ideas a day that never get completed. Uh, so leveraging each other's strengths and really respecting each other for strengths. Cause sometimes our, our partner's biggest strength is the thing that bothers us the most about them until we understand it's a strength. And then we start to honor it and we're like, man, life's a lot easier because they have this strength that I didn't have. And now I'm actually leveraging it for good instead of bitching about the fact that they do something different than me and I want them to do it my way. Yeah. That's called letting go. And that is one, (laughs) you know, that, that for me is one of the things like I've had to learn how to apply that in business and leadership, leading teams, leading events, working with people, relationships, my, my brothers, my sister, like everything. It's so interesting to me when like you get to this place where you go, you have to let people fucking exist as who they are. And, and the more you hold on tightly and you try to bend them or, or shape them to the ideal of who it is that you believe that they should be, the further away they get. And, and worse, I think it, it also impacts you in this way where you're holding on so tightly. It's like you, you're white knuckling life. And one of the greatest things I've ever done and I'm still doing and hopefully I'll continue to do is just be like, it is what it is just let people fucking exist. And that's been really practical for me. What I'm curious about is as you're in this, and so you're building this life, you're looking at this, you have children, right? And you have these, these little human beings that you're trying to foster into great adults and being a person who's entrepreneurial and strong willed and alpha, like, and a leader, I reflect with so many of those things. Now at this moment, I don't have children, don't know that I ever will, but how do you not brainwash your kids to be you, but still give them attributes that allow them to step into leadership or be the person that they want to be? Yeah. <laughs> That's a tough thing. I think one of the toughest things as a parent is teaching your kids 
how to think and not what to think, because it often means they might think something that you don't want them to think. Now, granted, my kids are still young, so I'm, we're not running into those teenage years where maybe that becomes more elevated and, and more critical or whatever. But um, we want to raise critical thinking kids with a strong set of values. Now, of course, we're a family unit, so we have our values that we believe are going to help them grow up into successful, independent, good-hearted leaders. They might offshoot that as they grow up. They might bring in some other values. They might let go of some that we've tried to instill, but the values we've chosen aren't ones that indoctrinate them into being a certain person. It's becoming who they're called to be with the right support to do that. And I think that's a fine line and it gets blurred sometimes because you, when you become a parent, it's such a biological thing that you want literally nothing more than your child to be happy and healthy and to thrive. And you will do any and everything just innately to do that, even if it means shutting down a belief they might have or a thought they might have that um, you think could hurt them. What I'm learning is even my kids being so young, they are because of how we're raising them to ask questions, which I will tell you, sets you up for far harder parenthood. When you teach your kid to be a critical thinker, they question every effing thing that you do. And you're like, why the fuck did I do that? Why didn't I tell them to be little minions that follow everything I tell them? Like my parents did when they said, because I friggin' said so, don't ask me questions. And I'm like, man, I should have taken that route. But it's also beautiful when you don't take it personally and you, you leave enough margin for you to have the time and space to answer those questions. We've always talked to our children like they're adults, not in the sense that we talk about adult things that don't allow them just to be kids, or we um, don't tone our, our, our tone down to be more gentle with a child. What I mean is we don't treat them like they're dumb. Like my, my daughter's two, and we, I have full-on conversations with my daughter explaining things at a kid level so that it's something that she can absorb and understand and doesn't overwhelm her, but I'm not going to treat her like an idiot and be like, oh, you don't need to know that. If she's asking me about something or wanting to learn something more, I want to make sure that I'm living life where I have enough margin to sit down and really cultivate that curiosity and give her the space to do that. So, and we also, I, this is personal opinion. Listeners might not agree. I think we have one of the toughest jobs ahead of us as parents right now in this generation with the rise of technology. I'm not anti-technology. I have two phones sitting on my desk right now. The reason I have two phones though is so that one is personal and the only thing on it is text message and calls and that's what's on me personally. But right now I'm sitting in my office so I also have my work phone that has things like Instagram and email on it. So technology is amazing. I leverage it constantly. But I see a lot of kids losing that critical thinking, losing that curiosity for life, not knowing how to be bored because they have access to high level quality entertainment constantly. And I have so many memories as a kid of my mom, like kicking me and my cousins and my siblings out and being like, just go outside. Like when it's dark, you can come back in. And as a result of that, we came up with the most amazing things. We, we used our imagination. We made friends in the neighborhood. And now kids are, are just not living that way. So we're, re we're also trying to create, that's part of the reason we moved to where we moved. Um, 
was to give them that space to create and cultivate and come up with stuff on their own that's not just fed to them by us or what's on a device. So it's going to be different for every parent. That's not me knocking how people approach stuff. It's just I do think it's important to be conscious of it no matter what you choose because I think it can be leveraged as a tool for good or a detriment. Um, but more than anything, we're committed as much as it might give me gray hairs that I have to dye every six weeks to allow our kids to um, to ask questions, to think critically, but they're also little and they're kids. So it's my job to keep them safe. It is my job to give them boundaries because they don't have that, literally don't have that ability in their brain yet. So it's a little bit, it's a, a balance and it will, it will also change as they get older and maybe we'll be on this podcast in five years and I'll be like, why did I do it this way? But this is where we're at right now. And, and I also don't claim to be an expert either. This is like, so learn as you go. You're not even funny. I tell my kids all the time, are you aware that you're literally an experiment? Cause we have no freaking clue what we're doing. <laughs> yeah. I love, and it, and it's so true. You know, I, we're, we're all having a human experience. I try to just convey this every single day. Like you and I, we've never had this conversation before. We don't know what we're doing. We're figuring it out on the fly all the time. And, and I think that there's a, there's a sense of peace I've discovered in that because I'm like, we're fallible. We're not going to do all the things all the time. Nobody's great nobody's perfect. Go look at everyone that you ever admire in the world and they're screwing up every single moment of the day, I promise you. And, and you know, I think you're right about cell phones and technology and, and children. And, you know, that's a, a battle I do not face because I do not have them. But I, I can see definitely like I'm, I'm cheering on all of you parents right now because I'm like, I probably wouldn't even have a TV in my home, no cell phones. I'm like, you guys got even like even this is what's interesting to me. And it's a quick tangent, but growing up and being in a situation where I, I, I did grow up in a volatile household, all the unbroken nation, they know this. My mom would still be like, get the fuck out of the house. That's probably because she didn't want to deal with me, which respect, I get it. But like realistically, like from the moment we woke up till the lights came on, like we were not allowed to be in the house. And I think that made me adventurous and it made me want to question things. It got me in a lot of trouble. So I want to be very clear about that. But ultimately, I, I think that it was one of the best things that happened. Um, Elizabeth, this conversation has been absolutely incredible. Before I ask you my last question, my friend, can you tell everyone where they can find you? Yeah, the best place to connect because this will this will keep us connected going forward. If they want to utilize that free workbook I talked about for True North, they can go to luminaryleadershipco.com forward slash True North, and that will put us in connection. But I'm also over on Instagram at Eliz Hartke, H-A-R-T-K-E. And I actually really do like connecting with new people. I know a lot of people say that, but I ask for grace because I don't live on my phone and I do put it away. So I usually take a little bit longer to respond, but it's a, it's such a cool opportunity to get to come into other people's amazing communities and then meet all these new people. So don't be afraid to reach out and connect. I love it. And my last question for you, my friend is what does it mean to you to be unbroken? Hmm. That's a powerful question. And to me, it's, um, it's a sense of thriving. It's just, it's not this tangible thing. I can't define it. If you check these boxes, it means you're unbroken. But I think it's a, a feeling and a trust that you're being guided to the life that you're called to live. And it doesn't mean you don't have some cracks in the surface along the way. I, I picture unbroken literally being completely apart. Um, but to be, I don't know, just to have this sense and this feeling of, 
I know I'm on the right path and I know I'm working towards who I'm called to be. And um, I'm choosing to thrive even in the good and the bad. Brilliantly said, my friend. Unbroken Nation, thank you so much for listening. As usual, please like, subscribe, comment, share, tell a friend. And until next time, my friends, be unbroken. I'll see ya. Unbroken Nation, hope that you just got a tremendous amount of value from today's episode. I want to know what you think. Please do me a favor and review, rate, and share the episode with three friends on social media today. It would mean the world if you did, because ultimately at the end of the day, creating community and connection is how we heal generational trauma in the world. And I need your help to do that Unbroken Nation. So if you're on iTunes or Spotify or wherever you are, please like comment, share, review. I want to know not only what you like about the show, but how I can make the show better, how I can make this further about helping you on your healing journey. So do me a favor. And when you do shoot me a screenshot of you making the review to my DM at Michael Unbroken on Instagram so that I can have a conversation with you, say hi, and more importantly, so I can share it with the Unbroken Nation. Thank you so much, my friend. Hey, my friends, we will be right back to the show, but I have a question for you. Are you struggling with the impact of childhood trauma? Well, know that you're not alone. I'm here to let you know that I'm starting a brand new weekly coaching group that includes a year of life coaching, accountability, support, habit and goal setting, and more. I'm starting a wait list for the group right now, and I'm only taking a handful of people. And I'll let you know that through this personalized coaching, we'll work together to help you understand how your childhood trauma has shaped your beliefs, behaviors, emotions, and will help you create a roadmap for healing and growth. Right now, you can schedule an absolutely free coaching session with me and get put on the wait list if you go to thinkunbroken.com. My friends, it's your time to turn your trauma into triumph, breakdowns into breakthroughs, and become the hero of your own story. And I'm here to support you in doing that. Just go to thinkunbroken.com to register for a free coaching call with me and to get put on the wait list for the brand new weekly coaching program. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, Drew Scott here, and I'm Jonathan Scott, reminding you that life's better with a home policy from American Family Insurance. They can help you get just the right protection at just the right price and help you save when you bundle home and auto. Kind of like Goldilocks and the Three Bears. It'll be just right for you. We love a custom build. American Family Insurance. Insure carefully. Dream fearlessly. Get a quote and find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin.